Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Delighted to be your pastor. Delighted to welcome you. All of you at the Franklin campus, we love you. God bless you. Hope it's a, a great, great Sunday for you today in the overflow. We love you guys as well. Thank you for worshiping with us. This is the last message in a series entitled, If These Walls Could Talk. We've been looking at those moments in our lives when it just feels like we get stuck. Life just gets stuck for, for, for whatever reason, whatever circumstance you want to name. Our forward motion is suddenly blocked by, by a wall, we could say. Up against the wall, as we sometimes say. Open your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. We've been saying that, that in these moments when we're up against a wall, we've got to stop and ask, what kind of wall is this? Where did this wall come from? Uh, one of two sources, only one of two people would place a, a wall in your path like that. The first one, of course, is the enemy, the evil one. The devil will put a wall in the path between where you are now and where God wants you to be. The devil will put, put a, a block. He will find a way to stop your progress when you're moving toward the blessings God has for you in the future. The devil will put a wall up in between you and what God has for you. In those moments, you've got to understand God is going to bring that wall down. God will bring that wall down for you if you believe and if you obey him. But we've also said that sometimes when you're in that situation and, and your life gets stuck and your motion, forward motion gets blocked, we have to sometimes recognize the fact that God himself will sometimes be the one that blocks our path. God himself will put up the wall. And that's very, very difficult for us to admit that. But sometimes when we are headed in the wrong direction, sometimes when we're going in, in, in a path that God would not have us to follow, God will block our path. He will stop our movement in that direction to try to redirect us. God does that, and it is a sign of his mercy. But along those lines, I want us to look at Lamentations chapter 3 this morning. It is not sometimes that God only puts up a wall when we're moving in the wrong direction. Sometimes, sometimes it just seems like, sometimes it just seems like that God will block our path when we're following him, when we're loving him, when we're praying to him. And that becomes very, very very difficult. Lamentations is not a book you probably read very much. Maybe we should read it more. It's hardcore. This is difficult scripture to read. It's difficult to think about. Some of you probably didn't know that you could even talk like this, even if this is how you feel. But I want you to understand, this is in scripture. This is sometimes how God's people feel. And when this is how you feel, this is how you pray. Lamentations chapter 3, listen carefully to what the prophet, what the person of God is saying here to God. Notice the accusation that God must have left him, that God has turned against him, but there is a turning point. I want you to see that, there is a turning point. Find the turning point in the scripture, and you just might find the turning point in your life. Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to read 33 verses, so follow along and listen to what God's word would say to you today. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. 
Verse 7, here's the wall. He has walled me in, and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He's hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He's dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He's drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. Shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He's filled me with bitterness and given me a a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He's made me chew on gravel. Rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away. And I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For God does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. It usually goes something like this on Sunday anyway. Our our alarm is set for 6.40 a.m., but I never hear the alarm sound. I never hear the alarm sound at my house because my wife has a gift, uh, or, or this is how she's weird. My wife has trained herself to wake up precisely one second before the alarm goes off. We never hear the alarm. All I hear is her roll over and turn it off. One second, I never hear it. Anybody else like that? Are you weird like that? Can you turn the alarm off before it goes off? Yeah, yeah, y'all are awesome. My wife does that. So 6.40, she rolls over, turns the alarm off, and then she gets up, and and that's how the day begins. She gets up, she lets the dog out. As soon as she's out of bed, I steal her pillow, and I roll over on my stomach. I flop over my stomach for five minutes. I get up five minutes later at 6.45. I get up. I go let the dog back in, and then I go to the kitchen. We don't practice this. Nobody's ever choreographed this or written it down. I'm just telling you, this is how it happens 
I go into the kitchen, uh, I, and this is how I'm weird, I pour exactly one cup of cereal into a bowl. I measure that. Anybody else measure cereal? Okay, okay that is how I'm weird. Yeah. I, I measure my cereal. I pour one cup into a bowl. I get half a cup of Tropicana orange juice. I take a, a multivitamin, two glucosamine tablets, and I uh, eat my cereal at the table. On Sunday, I will review the morning sermon while I eat my cereal. I will spend about 15 minutes at the table at 7 o'clock. Uh, I get up and I go into the shower where Casey is now coming out. Casey will say, is weighed up? I will say no <laughs> every week. I get in the shower, I shower, I shave, I get dressed, uh, I go out, I get my books to, together, I come back into the bathroom where Casey's now doing her hair, I say, how do I look? And she says, ooh, baby, you, you look awesome. No, she, she says, fine, you look fine. She says it every week, you just look fine. Yeah, you could say lean, mean, preaching machine or something, but, but she doesn't. She just says, fine, you look fine. So... So I leave. By this time, Wade is in the shower. I go to where he's in the bathroom, and I yell into him, son, good morning, kiddo. I'll see you at church. He says, good morning. I'll see you at church. And, and then I leave and come here. Uh, that's how it goes. I, I don't understand exactly how we fell into that pattern, except that I think we're all kind of creatures of habit. Now, your life may not be all that orderly. You may not think of it as orderly. But if you really stop to think about it, you probably have a, a routine, some kind of routine, and you just fall into it. Whether it's morning or afternoon or evening, for me, that morning routine is actually pretty solid, pretty steady. But I want you to understand something very, very important from the Scripture, something very important from this Scripture today. And if you have a pen, write this down. You've got to know this. You have to know what I'm about to tell you. Everything depends upon your knowing what I'm about to tell you. And it's from this scripture. Are you ready? No matter what else is constant or predictable about your morning, I want you to know this. Every morning you awake, God will be there for you. Are you listening? Every Morning you awake, God will be there for you. You have to know this. You have to remember this. This is the most predictable aspect of your life, that, that every morning you get up, God is there for you. It is the most predictable part of your whole life. Whether you've ever learned to remember this or not, I'm telling you, you've got to know this. Every morning you awake, God is there for you. So immediately the question comes up, and, and I know that you're good church people and probably not going to ask it out loud because you think you're not supposed to, but the question that a lot of you are left with is, if God is always there for me, why doesn't it feel that way? If every single morning I awake, God is there for me, why is it that so many of my days seem to be lived apart from God, out from under his love and his blessing, out from under his hand of protection? If he's always there, Brother Tim, why is it that in my life day to day I don't see him, I don't feel his presence? Where is he? Now, you may think that you're not supposed to ask that question. As your pastor, I want to say, go ahead and ask that question. It's a fair question. If that is what you're thinking, then that is what you should say. Where is God? 
It's one of the oldest questions in the book, and it's a question that the people of God have asked since there were people of God. Do you understand? It's really a part of the life of faith. It's part of our struggle. One of the most famous and beloved Christian poems of all time is the poem that that begins, one night I had a dream, and, and I saw all of the scenes of my life, and I saw them as footprints on the sand. Do you remember the poem? And what's the whole point of the poem? As I look back over my life, I saw two sets of footprints. Whose footprints? Mine and the Lord's, of course. That's the point of the poem. But in the most difficult moments of my life, what does the poem say? I saw only one set of footprints. What's the question that the poem is asking? What is that poem about? It's about that feeling of, God, where are you? When I really need you, where are you? Lamentations chapter 3 is a, a shatteringly beautiful chapter from Scripture. It's that verse 7. It's that just verse 7 that, that, that just makes me come unglued. Verse 7, God has walled me in and I cannot escape. Verse 8, though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. My my goodness, can we say that? Can we ever say that out loud? Is that even okay to think? Whether it's okay or not, that's how we think. That's how it feels. That is how, in in moments of our lives, that's all we got. If you're looking for faith, this is about all I can come up with sometimes. Do you understand? And, and I apologize for getting so emotional, but I've been here. I have been in this place. And as your pastor, I'm preaching to people this morning, and I know you're in this place. Maybe I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to some of you this morning. You know what this is. You know what it is to feel like God has somehow dropped you in a spiritual dungeon. That God himself has not just blocked your path, he has walled you in on all sides. It's this horrible feeling that even though people say that God loves you and that God is always there for you, sometimes you'll have this feeling that God somehow, if he's with you at all, he's turned against you. And this is exactly what the prophet says in Lamentations, you've turned against me. I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but you have turned against me. If I look at the circumstances of my life and the promises that you have made to me, God, somehow you've turned against me. You're treating me like an enemy, and I don't understand it. I pray and I pray. I beat on heaven's, beat on heaven's window until my knuckles bleed, and I don't understand why you are shutting out my prayers. Have you ever felt that? Because it's exactly what the prophet feels in Lamentations. You've shut out my prayers. You're not listening. I need you now in this moment more than ever, and you're not here, God. Where are you when I need you the most? Have you ever had to ask that question? Because if you have, you're not alone. You're not the first one. You won't be the last one. It's very difficult to square together somehow that this God who is going to be there for you every morning you awake, at some times in your life it will just feel like he's not there. It will absolutely feel like he's not there. 
you'll pray and you'll absolutely feel like there's nobody listening to your prayers and no answers coming. You're going to feel that way one way or another someday soon. You're going to feel that because people of faith through all the years have felt this way. But the sort of bizarre and beautiful thing about this chapter is that turning point. It's just that turning point. It's that really strange way that he can say all of this stuff in this column. He can talk about how God is like a lion that's left out to attack him and and destroy him. God who somehow turned against him. God who makes his life like chewing on gravel. This is what he says. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he says things like verse 22 The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. What? I mean, are you expecting that? After the verse about you've put me in a dungeon, you've walled me in, I can't escape, you've shut out my prayers, do you really expect the next thing for him to say is the faithful love of the Lord never ceases? His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Did you expect that to come out of his mouth next? It's the next very important thing you've got to understand. That even though sometimes it will feel like God abandons you, he never does. Sometimes it will feel like God is not listening, but he's always listening. Sometimes it will feel like he's left you alone, but he never leaves you alone. It will feel that way, but that is never the truth. It's never reality. You will sometimes imagine that God has turned against you, but he will never turn against you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Every morning you awake, God will be there for you. So why? Or or, or how? If these things are all true, how is it that it can feel so much like he's not with me? And especially in the moments when I need him most. Why is it that that I feel so alone when it says that he'll never ever leave me? Let's begin to answer that question. Why does it feel this way? Or how does my life get into this kind of shape if God somehow is always for me and never against me? How? How? Well, let's just be real honest. Let's, let's be real honest. As a pastor, I run into people all of the time who tell me that they're mad at God. Lots of people who, who will never come to church, and they tell me that the reason they don't come to church is that they're angry at God. They've had some of these moments that the prophet talks about. They've had these moments when they feel like for one reason or another, God was not there for them, that God let them down, or that God somehow has turned his back, and therefore they are now angry at God. Some of you feel that way. Let me say something that might be hard for you at first to hear, but I want you to understand. Some of you say you're mad at God, but you don't know him. And those things are different. It's really hard to be mad at somebody that you honestly don't know. And a lot of people who say that they're angry and bitter at God, they don't know God. It's very, very possible that the reason you feel so far away from God, the reason you feel so separated is because honestly, you don't know him. You need to understand that every morning when you awake, God is there for you. It is not God who is far away. Understand me, it is you who is far away from God. It is not God who is lost somewhere and needs to come back home. It is you that is lost and needs to come back home. 
Ephesians chapter 2 says that you were far away from God. You understand that? You were far away from God. It is not God that is lost. It is you that is lost. It is you that is far away. And it is you that has to come back to God. God has already come to you. Draw near to us. That's why the scripture says, you who are far away from God have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. You understand that God comes close to us. Every single one of us, God came so close, close enough to die. And that's what he has done. That is why when you're going to come near to God, when you're going to find God, the only place you will find him is at the cross. It's the only place you will find him. If you look for God in your problems, you will only end up bitter and lost, and eventually lost for all eternity. Are you listening to me? You don't know God. It is not that God is far away from you. You are far away from him, and you must come back to him. He has come all the way to the cross to die for your sins. Now, if you're going to find him, you have to come to the cross, It is not that God has turned his back on you. You have turned your back on God. It is not that God is somehow not showing up for you, that God has abandoned or forsaken you. Your sin is separating you from him. You are far away from him, and you need to come back home to him, and you will find him at the cross, at the cross of Christ. I'm just trying to tell you the most honest thing I can possibly tell you. If you feel that your whole life has lived in separation from God, if you feel that sense of abandonment and lostness, I'm telling you, this is where you begin, at the cross. You need to come to know him. You need to come near to him. He is there for you every single morning you awake. But the real question is, are you there for him? Perhaps you just don't know God. And that is why your life is in the shape that it's in. And that is why it continues to unravel. That is why you continue with all of the people around you to be so lonely. That is why for all of the things you've ever done, you can't get past the guilt of it. You're lost. And you need to come home to him. That separation is one that you create in your sin. And God is waiting for you to come back. We're far away from God, the scripture says, but God has now brought you near to him by the blood of Christ. You say you're mad at God, bitter at God, you better make sure you know him. My hunch is you don't know him. But then some of us do, and let's be honest about that too. Some of us feel like we do know God. We are Christians. We do go to church. But what about the distance we feel sometimes? Well, let's be honest about that. There are some of us who actually like to live that way. We purposefully create a distance between ourselves and our Savior. Even though we may be Christians, we live our lives with God at a certain arm's length. We want to keep him that way. We're a little bit like the teenager that wants mom to take her to the mall. But, but really, mom, can you just drop me off maybe? Can you drop me off at Wendy's and I'll just walk to the mall? Do you, do you know that, that, that teenager? It's that person that really wants mom in her life, but really sort of only at a distance, only there to drive me places and give me money. Some of you have that kind of relationship with God. You really just want God there close enough that you can reach out and touch him when you feel like you need him. 
but you really don't want God close enough where he might get up in your business. You don't want God so close that he might begin to have something to say about the man you've been sleeping with. You don't want God so close that you'll have to hear him say that actually it's not okay to live together before you're married. You don't want God so close that he might say something about your drinking or your pills or the woman you've been flirting with at work. You want God in your life, but mostly sort of they're on call. Let's be honest about it. We complain about God being far away, but actually only when we're in trouble and only when we feel like we need him. Some of you, just be honest, you teared up when I got to the part about how God shut out your prayers, but you don't pray. Do you understand? God's not shutting out your prayers if you're not praying. We're talking about a different kind of person, and you're not that person. The prophet is one who prays and prays and prays and feels like God's not listening. Some of you just aren't praying. You don't pray until you really, really need something, and at that moment, you don't know how to pray. Understand me, friend. That's not God's fault. That's not God's fault at that point. This is you. You prefer to keep God at a distance. You don't want him near until you get in trouble, and then you want him to show up. You need to understand that God doesn't work that way. That if you really want to learn how to call on God's name in the time of trouble, you have to be calling on God's name in the time of good things. Prayer is a sort of practice sort of thing. You get better at it the more you pray. And some of you are beginners, absolute beginners. You just don't pray. And the reason why when you finally sit down to read your Bible and you can't find a verse that speaks to your problems is because you've got to be reading your Bible when you don't necessarily have problems. You've got to be at this every day. You have to live a life very, very near to God and close to him daily. Every morning you awake, he is there for you, close as your breath. Where are you? Call yourself a Christian, but honestly, you just enjoy keeping God just far enough away where you can pretty much live your own life and then tell yourself you go to heaven when you die. That's honestly all some of you are interested in. Until the bottom drops out. And then you're mad at God for being far away. Are you listening to me? He's far away because you put him far away. That's where you prefer to keep him every day. But Sunday, if you're not calling on his name when times are good, you're going to have a very difficult time feeling like he's listening when times are bad. You're putting him at a distance. When he died on the cross to you so that you could come near to him. Near. All the time. Every day close to you every morning you awake there for you I think others feel very far away from God they feel abandoned by God because because honestly they've been abandoned by people you know what I'm saying I I know that God is real and God is powerful in our lives but, but but seriously If I have nobody else in my life to love me, it's hard for me to believe that God loves me. If nobody else seems to care that I'm hurting, or nobody else seems to care that I'm struggling or suffering, that I'm in this spiritual dark place, if nobody else seems to care, it's really hard to believe sometimes that God cares. That's why I just want to give you one word here, just one thing here on the side. 
I'm just begging you as a church to, to make sure that you come alongside everybody in your life. You be there for them. You love them. Don't let anybody in your life say nobody cares. You've got to care. Don't let anybody around you say that there's nobody there, that that God didn't show up. If you would show up in God's name, then they'll know that God is there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people feel abandoned by God because they're abandoned by everybody else. Don't do that to people. Don't do that to others in this church. Don't do that to anybody. We're God's people. When we show up in love, then they will know that God is there in love. Don't let people be abandoned. Because it's horrible to be abandoned. It is devastating to go through cancer treatment and go back for that check every six months, every six weeks, and wait to find out what the news is. That is devastating. It's devastating to go to the funeral home and look into the casket and it's somebody that you love. That is absolutely devastating. It's just devastating to be out of work for so long, to be single with no prospect of relationship on Valentine's Day. Man, it's just devastating. And that's why the prophet says, verse 20, I will never forget this. I am never going to forget this awful time, man. I'm scarred. And honestly, our our difficult times at these dark places, they really do sort of scar us. We'll never forget what it is to be that alone. Never going to forget what it is to hurt that bad, to be that afraid. Never going to forget that. And that's exactly what it says. I'm never going to forget this. Honestly, in our lives, there are some things impossible to forget. And if you've been through a time of abandonment, a time of of others being unfaithful to you, if you've been through a time of sickness and death, you know exactly what this is. You're never going to forget that. There are mornings when you wake up and for a split second you think it's going to be normal, you think it's okay, and then you remember. Then you remember what your life is like. And you wish for anything, you could go back to that moment before you remembered it. But there are some things that are impossible to forget. And that's exactly what the psalmist says. Never going to forget this awful time. Never going to forget it. But verse 21, this is the turning point. You might in your Bible mark that verse because the turning point here can be your turning point also. Some things are impossible to forget, but then there are some things that you need to make yourself remember. Some things you have to make yourself remember. And this is what the prophet says in in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The word he's using there means I recall this to my heart. I make myself remember a few things. Some things are impossible to forget, but some things I make myself remember. Notice what he makes himself remember. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. (laughs) Every morning. I make myself remember this. I make myself remember that God loves me. 
make myself remember that every day when I awake, he's there for me. I make myself remember this. I make myself remember that God does not find any pleasure in causing me sorrow. God doesn't do that. I make myself remember that he's faithful, always faithful. I make myself remember that even though it seems like he's abandoned me, he never does. He never has. He never will. I make myself remember. I make myself remember. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Excuse me, it's, it's good to wait. Man, I hate to wait. I never want to wait. It's good to wait. I guess it all depends on what you're waiting for. Little boy was in the barber shop with his daddy. Little boy got a haircut. He was really past the age to complain and cry about it. He sat in a chair pretty well and got his haircut, got a little man's haircut. After that, the barber said, would you like some bubble gum? Of course he did. That, that's what barbers give out. That's what boys want. So he brought this big tub of bubble gum over, and the, and the dad said, only one, just get one. And the barber said, no, what do you mean only one? Get a handful, kiddo. Just get a handful. Get a big old handful. So the boy is now sitting in front of this gigantic, gigantic tub of bubble gum, and the barber's saying, take a handful. And I said, this boy was older than you think. He, he really wasn't a little boy. But in that moment, with, with, with the big jug of bubble gum in front of him, he just sort of put his hand out, and then he went like this, like he was shy. His dad's watching him, thinking how strange. The boy just sat there, and the barber said, go ahead, get you a big handful, bigger handfuls you can get. Just get a big handful. The little boy's like, yeah, like he's too shy to do it. Okay, this is crazy. This kid is not shy, but he's acting shy. No, no. So finally the barber says, here, I'll get it for you. Reaches in with his gigantic barber hand, gets a big handful of bubble gum. Hands to the boy, says, here, take it. The little boy takes this gigantic handful of bubble gum, walking out. On the way to the car, the dad says, well, what was that about? You're not shy. Why are you all of a sudden acting so shy? Why are you acting like you were too embarrassed to reach out and get a handful of bubble gum? What was that about? Little boy said, Daddy, his hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> you get that? His hand is bigger than mine. It is good to wait for the Lord because his hands are large with blessing. His hands are large with blessing. You can right now try to grab for what you can grab for in this moment in your life, but I'm telling you, whatever you grab for, it's just going to be so small. Whatever it is you think that you've got to have in this moment, I'm telling you, it's just going to be better to wait for the Lord because whatever you can grab is just small. It's small. His hands are large with blessing. And the mystery of what God is doing in your life right now he might just be asking you to wait. It is hard to wait. <laughs> it is so hard to wait. But his hands are large with blessing. And whatever he has for you is always worth waiting for. Always worth waiting for. His mercies are new 
every single morning. Don't you understand? Are you listening? Every morning you awake. God is there for you. He is there for you. Pray with me. God, some of us feel lost and alone, but it is not so. Lonely as we feel, we will never be alone. Every morning we awake, you're there with us. God, I pray for those in this house who think they're angry at you, think you've disappointed them, think you're not there, but Lord, truly, it is they who are far away from you. Oh God, some in this house say they're angry at you, but they truly don't know you. I pray, Lord, that they would find you at the cross of Jesus. Lord Jesus, there's some in this house who know Jesus and pray to Jesus and trust Jesus and wonder why in the world, why in the world it seems like when we need you the most, you're just so far away. Oh God, it's impossible to forget the way some of us have suffered. But help us to remember that you love us and that you're good to us and that though sometimes you ask us to wait, your hands are large with blessing. God, we, we would that you would reach out today with your gigantic hands and just begin to drop blessings on us, Lord. But for some of us, it's not going to happen today. Today is not our day. And God, as painful as that is, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to wait. Just wait. Stay right where we are. Wait with our face in the dust. Just wait. Because today's not our day. We know, we know that tomorrow will be our day. You will not leave us. You will not forsake us. Help us to know it. Help us to believe it. Help us to wait. God, I pray for those in this house this morning who are in a spiritual dungeon, a dark place, a place that feels so far away from you. Lord, I pray that today in this moment of worship, in a small way, let some light shine. Let them remember that you're there and that you love them and that your plan is to bless them and deliver them, even if they have to wait for a moment. God, we come before you because we need you so desperately. Oh, God, we need you, and we know that you are here for us. So help us, Lord, to be here for you, here with you. And, Lord, let us never, ever, ever desire to be far away from you again. We pray these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Stand. Let's sing.